Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Roisin. And welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. This podcast is all about how improving your physical fitness can help support you on your very own fertility journey. I'm a personal trainer who specialises in training women with fertility problems. I myself have PCOS and have had two beautiful boys, and I'm on a mission to help you do the same. Before we get into it, we will be discussing adult themes such as where do babies come from, pregnancy loss and bereavement. We may also be sweary from time to time. We are optimistic, lighthearted girls, but we know this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners. We respect that. Hey everyone, this is Maria. I just want to say a massive welcome to all of the new listeners that we have to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. We have noticed that you are here with us and you are so very welcome. We just have the best audience in the world. So welcome to the team. And now back to the show. Dr. Amy, also known as the Egg Whisperer, is a renowned medical doctor specialising in fertility. She has studied at a number of prestigious universities, including UCLA School of Medicine, Harvard Medical School and the University of Michigan. Dr. Amy became so saddened by hearing people say, if I had known 10 years ago that my egg reserves were running low, I would have done things differently, that she has devoted herself to empowering women and making them more aware of their own fertility levels and needs. In 2014, she launched her mission by hosting egg freezing parties, and she also teaches about the Tushy method for providing holistic, personalised fertility medicine. Dr. Amy is the go-to doctor for anyone wanting to know more about the egg freezing process, and she works incredibly hard, telling her patients that if their ovaries are working, so is she. Dr. Amy, I am delighted to have you here. Welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. Thank you, Maria. I'm just so thrilled to be here with you as well. Could you start by telling us a little bit about your own story and why you specialize in fertility? Yeah, I mean, I have a gene and I I was born with it. The gene was, if you want to have a baby, I'm going to help you. (laughs) And it's a gene that has been passed down for generations. So my grandfather had it, he passed it on to my dad, he had it, and he passed it on to me. So I actually come from a long line of fertility doctors. Wow. My first patient, no joke. Are you ready for this? My grandfather delivered her parents, my father delivered her, and I helped her freeze her eggs. Isn't that fun? What? Yeah, so that's a true story. And then I have another wild story. This patient actually was my first patient in my practice. This was in 2008. She came to me, and she was struggling with infertility, and then she had a baby through IVF with me, and then she finally told her mom. And when she told her mom you know, I went through IVF, her mom said, oh, I needed fertility treatment too. What? And her mom said, who was your doctor? And she said, it was Dr. Avazi. It was actually my grandfather who helped her have my patient. And this is in another country. So it just shows you how like the experiences I have with my patients are extremely special. But when I have that kind of connection with my grandfather, who's no longer with us, can only imagine how proud he is of me, you know? So he treated hundreds of thousands of people in his career. I mean, he was just as much of a maniac as I was, you know, waking up early in the morning, working seven days a week. He actually owned a hospital in Iran. So that's just to show you, like, I was born with it. And I have this immense capacity to just show people that they deserve love and they deserve this unconditional love that I call becoming a parent, if that's what they 
want to seek. And especially nowadays with the environment and climate that we live in, where it just feels like one moment you can turn on the TV and feel like it's just not worth it. Like why even have children anymore? And I just do everything I can to fight that and just tell people we still have to believe in love because there's nothing better than having a family and growing your family if that's what you want. Okay. I already feel really emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to my life. I mean, you should see how many boxes of Kleenex I go through a day. There's a box literally like every three feet in my office. Wow. That really is an amazing genetic heritage you've got there. So we're going to imagine I'm your patient and I am new to the fertility world. I know that I want to start my family at some point. I know that you're the best. So I have come to you just to check that everything is okay. Where would we start? Well, I first say, Maria, I'm not the best. We're so lucky (laughs) to have other docs just like me. But let's learn a little bit about yourself. Let's, you know, do some tests. And then once we have some results from these tests, we can talk about what your goals are and your timeline and see how these tests kind of fit in with those goals. I call these fertility projections. I kind of map out what someone's fertility life will look like for them based on what we know. Like, do you have PCOS? Do you have endometriosis? Do you have decreased ovarian reserve? Is there a sperm issue? Could you possibly have blocked fallopian tubes? These are the kinds of things we should know at the start of our journey, not after multiple failed IVF cycles. Like, that's the kind of stuff that drives me bonkers. And it's still happening today in 2023 where people just haven't even done the most basic tests to learn about themselves, not because they haven't tried to do these tests. It's just no one has offered them. Absolutely. And is this what you mean by the Tushy method, which by the way, is a name that I absolutely love. I love it too. So true story. Someone said to me, Amy, do you know that when you put Tushy method into Google, you get triple X porn? And I'm like, isn't that fun? I'm like, and you also get to learn about your fertility. I mean, I, I basically told my husband, I'm like, Matt, listen, these are the things that I look for. He's, he loves crosswords. He's really good at it. I said, these are the things I check on every single patient. And yet people still aren't having them checked. What do I do to like get it into people's heads? Like this is easy. It shouldn't be complicated. So I just gave it to him. He wrote it all down and he took about three days and then he showed it to me. He's like, tushy, tushy method. So get your tubes checked, look at your uterus on ultrasound, get the sperm checked, get your hormones checked and do some genetic testing. The why is your genetics. It's not that hard. You can do all these tests in one menstrual cycle from start to finish. That's a really nice way to measure time. We're going to measure it in blocks of your menstrual cycle. One of the other things I wanted to just ask you about a little bit when we're looking at levels and that type of thing is AMH levels, kind of the basics. What should we be looking for? So as we get older and run out of eggs, which is normal, our AMH levels go down. But what can be super confusing for people is sometimes they go back up after they go down. So I call it always meandering hormone or always mean hormone because all of a sudden (laughs) when it drops, you feel like someone is like stabbing you in the heart. Like, oh my God, my eggs are now going to disappear because you've done these projections. And then in like two months, it's going to be gone forever. I call it a very volatile hormone because it makes it feel like very emotional and it's very volatile when you see it drop or see it rise. But it's also pretty sensitive. Like where you have it checked is important. Making sure you're going to the same lab with each checks. And so if you see a level that just doesn't quite make sense. So let's say if you're menopausal and your level came back at 2.0, for example, it just might be an invalid test result. So mm-hmm. if something doesn't look quite right, repeat it before you start making you know, big decisions about what the level means for you. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. 
One of your key areas of expertise is obviously egg freezing. Could you tell us a little bit about who should be freezing their eggs, when they should be freezing them, and of course, why? Yeah, I mean, I think egg freezing is for anyone who might want to have a baby in the future, whether in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. And I'm a little bit of of an extremist here. I mean, I've even frozen the egg of someone who was 51 years old. No joke. She had an egg. She, you know, reached out to everyone and no one said yes, but I said yes to her and I froze her egg. When I do something like that, I have her repeat after me. You know, this isn't going to work. And we're just doing this because you feel like it's important to you. Hmm. Psychologically satisfying for her that she did this for herself and knowing that it wouldn't work. But my point is that If there's a chance you might want to have a baby, egg freezing preserves one thing. It doesn't preserve your fertility and give us a guarantee. It preserves a future better chance for yourself. And that is it. And I think that, you know, a lot of times people don't freeze enough eggs or they rely too much on egg freezing and they think that that's going to be just one and done and they can have it all. And the reality is you usually cannot. But egg freezing is very powerful, and I feel like everyone should get educated about it. I wish everyone would join an egg freezing party of mine. And the reason is it's a a class on fertility. Because if you know how to get your eggs frozen, you're going to understand hormones during a menstrual cycle. You're going to understand about ovulation. It's just like a win-win for all. Egg freezing parties. Now, they sound amazing. Um, I have looked into them. Could you just explain to us a little bit more about what they involve? And if I was coming to an egg freezing party, um, what would I expect? Yeah, so I used to do them live and travel actually across the country. Now I'm mostly doing them for, let's say, schools, like med schools in person, but also most of them are now on Zoom. But when I was doing live parties, um, which wasn't that long ago, it was basically a scientific presentation at a swanky restaurant (laughs) in a private room. Because I just love, you know, I love talking to people about fertility. And I realized that when I was going to parties, people were just talking to me about their fertility. And I was like, wait, I need to like, make this a thing. And people would always apologize. Like, I'm so sorry. I bet you don't want to talk about work right now. And I was like, no, I actually, that's all I like talking about is work and and how I can help people. (laughs) So that's basically what a party is. It's just, you know, talking about fertility with a whole group of like-minded people. And then you can ask your questions in a safe space. And a lot of people make friends there. And this is um, really fun for me. I have a patient who went to a party in 2016, and I've met her now in 2023. And she now has two kids. And she basically came to me and she said, look, the reason I'm so grateful that I went to your party in 2016, because I, you know, got my levels checked, learned about myself. I had my first baby. And, you know, that was kind of cool to hear that, that, you know, people really are learning from these parties and it's changing lives in that way. Absolutely. A lot of my clients, they do tend to be at the slightly older age because as I know, you know, by the time they realize there are fertility issues, they do get quite stressed about egg health. So what kind of practical things can women do to try and improve egg health in the first place? Oh, I have so many. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Um, Number one, supplementation. I tell all my patients to start CoQ10 as soon as they're even thinking about having a baby until they're done with their babies. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that nicotinamide riboside, also known as niagen, is also a really good supplement that helps 
maintain support and quality. I'm careful about using the word improve because I think that's really unfair to make someone believe that you can actually improve something that we probably don't have that much control over. But I think if you do these things, you might, you know, have better eggs later in life. And you also have might have better eggs when you're in cycle. A really good uh, multivitamin doesn't have to say prenatal on it. I like to make sure my patients have a normal vitamin D level. And then if someone might have some metabolic issues, let's say PCOS, I have them also take ovocetol. And then um, for ovarian, so for patients who, you know, might have a lower egg quality because of their age or not even age related, but resveratrol is another supplement I have them take as well. And if there's any endometriosis, I have them take something called NAC and acetylcysteine. So those are kind of the main supplements I have patients take. And then sometimes I have patients with three pages of single space typed list of supplements they're taking. And I just say, stop this, stop this, stop, you know, cause I, you know, less is more. I don't want them to, it's like a full-time job almost like keeping up yeah. with all the supplements that you have to take. And then I'll also add, I do recommend melatonin at bedtime to help with egg health. So those are my supplements. And then I also do think that red light therapy can also help infrared light. So there's a very expensive heating pad that they use on their body two days a week on average for 30 minutes at a time. That might help decrease inflammation and bring more blood flow to the uterus and ovaries. There are some studies out there. These are just anecdotal. It's not like, you know, you have a study where you've randomized two groups of people and given them one a heating pad and one with red light and then compared outcomes. No one's going to do something like that. Mm -hmm. But this is just, in my experience, this kind of stuff doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. And I think it may help. And then I also do think if done correctly, ovarian PRP the introduction of platelet-rich plasma into the ovary is something that I also see can improve egg quality as well. And then sleeping seven to nine hours per night, hydrating really well, moving your body, having healthy relationships, decreasing your stress and mindfulness, acupuncture, all of those things go into not just egg health, but just overall health and well-being. Because as soon as you have a baby, at least this is, my sister said, I, I couldn't get to my death fast enough. She's the very, uh, <laughs> she, she, we have very different personalities. For me, as soon as I had a baby, I said, I want to live forever. So mm. I want to take really good care of my body. I want to be here as long as I possibly can for them. Oh, I just want to circle back to something. The two that I haven't really heard as much about are the red light therapy or treatment, as you mentioned it, and then the PRP treatment. When it comes to the red light therapy, would saunas have any effect? Please forgive me if that's a silly question, but I'm going to ask. No, not at all. It isn't. No. I mean, saunas help with detoxing your body. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I've had some patients with fantastic outcomes and I just did a call this morning. I said, what did you do differently? Like, how is this cycle so much better? And she said, Amy, I introduced red light and sauna. She was doing saunas like at least twice a week. And I was like, okay, now I'm going to tell everyone to do that. I mean, not everyone has access to a sauna, but if you do just keep your husband or if you have a male partner out of the sauna, (laughs) otherwise it can't hurt. I did wonder about the men. I was going to say, I don't think the men are supposed to be in there as much. Right. Interestingly, Roisin, the producer and co-host, as you know, she's just moved into a beautiful house and she actually has installed a red light sauna. That's perfect. I think it's worth the money and, you know, it has so many anti-aging benefits. Oh, she will love that. 
Just the other one, the PRP, this treatment that you're talking about sounds absolutely brilliant. Is there anyone in the UK that could support clients with this treatment? Yes. So Dr. James Nicopoulos at Lister Fertility, he is wonderful. He's first of all, an excellent doctor, but also extremely empathetic. And he really listens and cares. And so any patient that has reached out to me that I've introduced to him, he's been able to just take them on and take really good care of them. They aren't doing PRP right now that I know of, but I'm actually going to reach out to him and find out. And we'll see, maybe they're doing it now. And I just don't know that yet. That's amazing. We will make sure we put his name in the show notes as well, just in case anybody wants to look him up. So thank you. That's fantastic. One of the questions that we get asked a lot is the thawing of the egg. Do they thaw well? How does that work? Yeah. I mean, really good quality eggs thaw really well. Poor quality eggs don't thaw as well. So if I have someone who's, let's say, 42 and she wants to preserve her fertility, I'll say, I believe in your fertility. I believe that your eggs are healthy because I do think that Thinking that way is helpful, but being practical is also helpful as well as far as the statistics. But practically speaking, a 42-year-old egg will do much better if it's fertilized by sperm once it's fresh rather than frozen, then thawed later. So it may not survive as well. Typically, survival rates of the eggs are close to 97, 98% in the lab that I work with. So that's going to be lab-specific, but also patient-specific because not every egg is going to be strong enough to go through the process. Sorry to interrupt, but do you know that I offer a two-week free trial on all my training plans? This means you have access to my fertility-focused training plans, meal plans, and accountability calls for the duration of your trial. For more information and to sign up to start your free trial, get in touch at info at fitnessfertility.com. And now, back to the show. Dr. Amy, I've had quite a few questions come in on Instagram. The most common question, it was in relation to egg quality and age. And like you've already said, there is so much conflicting information out there. If people are freezing their eggs or working with eggs after the age of 35, what should they expect when it comes to quality? My personality is just one to always think of the positive, but also be practical. So you're never going to hear me say the same things that other people will say. The way I would answer this is you still have good quality eggs. You may not have as many, but if it's something you want to do, you're never going to know unless you try. So that's how I would frame it rather than the scare tactics we hear because we can't go back in time. Like if you tell someone at 35, well, your eggs would have been a lot better at 25. Well, how is that going to help them? Why not just support their journey where they're at right now? And just tell them that this is the number of eggs that you're going to need to freeze for this family size that you want. And I'm going to help you. It's as easy as that. The thing is, sometimes when I tell a patient, okay, you're, let's say, for example, 37 years old and to have a 50% chance of one live birth, you might need, let's say, around like, you know, 14 eggs frozen. That's the reality right? That doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. No, that's amazing. So it might be that it takes a little bit longer, but absolutely have a go. When it comes to kind of lifestyle factors, I am going to ask you the obvious question because we are the Fitness Fertility Podcast. What are your views on fitness? I'm always telling people your fitness is your fertility and vice versa. Your health is your fertility and vice versa. But equally, especially when people are getting close to treatment, you know, I don't want them stressing their body out too much, but I would love to hear your honest, honest advice on this. Yeah. I mean, I think what happens is there's so 
many mixed messages out there. So you have the acupuncturist telling the patients, don't raise your heart rate. Mm-hmm. You need to be nice and calm. And so then I have patients who haven't worked out in like three years because they thought it was bad for their health, literally. So what I tell my patients, I want you to exercise as much as you would like. Whatever brings you joy, I want you to do exactly that. There's really no amount of exercise that's going to hurt your fertility unless your BMI is below 19. You're seeing that your periods are not regular anymore because you're exercising too intensely. And then the other patient population that I ask to kind of decrease the uh, amount that they exercise are women who have a thin uterine lining. I feel like sometimes that can affect the lining, but otherwise high impact, high intensity exercising, lifting weights, all extremely safe. I just tell patients to use their common sense and trust themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's really nothing that you're going to do that's going to hurt your chances, even during IVF. And then there are times during the cycle, I say, okay, now's a good time to take it down a notch and just do low impact, low intensity exercises. You can now do more stretching, you know, during that, I call it the eight day wait, not the two week wait, because I, I make patients wait eight days from their transfer until their pregnancy test. I say, you don't have to stop exercising, just do things that are not as intense during that time frame. And as soon as you have that positive pregnancy test, you can go right back up with the intensity if you would like. Oh, I love that advice. Thank you. I just, I know that a lot of people, they've worked so hard, you know, to get their body as fit and as healthy as they can. A lot of people I work with are trying to lower their BMI, um, you know, for various different reasons, but they want to be in their best possible shape. And quite often they come and they say, look, they've worked with me. They are getting close to IVF. They're nervous about going through the IVF process. They've got stims, they've got egg collection, and they're nervous about working through those stages. And then if they get pregnant, you know, it's amazing, but then they're nervous about working out when they're pregnant. So it's nice to hear you say everything will be okay. Yeah. I mean, I have patients that they bend over and they pick something up and they all of a sudden feel like they have to email me because they're worried that that hurt their chances, which oh. obviously it it doesn't. But that's kind of, the, 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 that goes back to the mixed messages that people get. Absolutely. And I think if you've been on the fertility journey for a long time, what I'm always saying is you're not coming in fresh. You're already coming in probably with trauma, probably with extreme levels of stress. You're maybe not your best psychological self in the first place. And then you come in and, you know, no wonder people get stressed. There's there's such a big, you know, it's such a big life change that they're hoping for. Yeah. And I feel like my patients, when they're active, they actually do the best during their cycles. They feel good. They have a better recovery if they're active throughout rather than sitting at home and just eating carbs all day. <laughs> One of the things where we've really been talking about a lot on the podcast is how we get to people early, you know, like how we get to people before they're even thinking about fertility. So like with your egg freezing parties, because by the time you get into your your kind of later 30s, we know that your fertility can decline. Would you have any advice on how we can get to people earlier? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it almost has to be like word of mouth. You know, I feel like I have to just keep educating because still in this day and age, I feel like as doctors, just in general, we're not doing enough. So I feel like if you're a mother and you have a child and you had IVF, please tell your children so that they can get their levels checked. Mm -hmm. Right. If you're a mother and you had endometriosis and fibroids, 
or early menopause, please realize, or PCOS, please realize that these are genetic diseases that you can pass on to your child so they can get their levels checked and think about fertility preservation so they don't have to struggle the way that you did. Um, so I have like these golden rules. So one of them is, you know, if let's say before the age of 18, you had an ovary removed or you were diagnosed with endometriosis, get your levels checked and see if you should be someone who freezes their eggs before they're even 21, mm-hmm. right? And I think everyone should have a fertility check at 25. It doesn't necessarily mean you want to have kids. It's just sitting down, talking about your family history, seeing if you have any of those conditions that I just shared with you, because our bodies were designed to have our babies in our 20s. But society is designed now to promote waiting until we're 40. (laughs) I have patients that say, I feel like such a baby. I'm in your office. I'm 37 years old. And I'm like... Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it feels in the Bay Area because my average patient's 41. Mm-hmm. Um, but I now have more patients ever in their early 50s coming to me for their first baby. Oh, my I know. So wow. I predict that my children won't be starting until their late 40s, early 50s. So that's my prediction. So I know. I have so many questions around that. Might be another <laughs> day, but um, I just wanted to to come back to this idea of talking to your family because I have PCOS. My sisters have PCOS. My mum, PCOS. I suspect my mum's mum, PCOS. And my mum, to be fair, she did share this with us when we were growing up. So I was aware from an earlier age, which has really helped me actually in the fertility space. And it helped me with my own two boys. I still needed Clomid, but I knew. And something me and Roshan are always talking about is... With fertility, it's really important to speak to your family, but also at the other end with the menopause as well. If your mum had a good menopause, if your mum had a bad menopause, and it's really, really important to share this information. So it's absolutely something that we are trying to promote and just get rid of the kind of shame and the the stigma. Do you find that patients come to you with any type of shame or by the time they've got to you, are they okay with it? How, how does it happen with you? All the time. But can I just touch on what you said about menopause? Because I think it's so important. Because if you have PCOS, you're at higher risk of breast cancer, uterine cancer, cardiovascular events, and menopause and beyond, right? So it's so important to know about that. If you had endometriosis, you're at higher risk of ovarian cancer. So I tell all my patients with endometriosis to consider having their fallopian tubes removed once they're done having their babies to prevent the risk of ovarian cancer. So these are all the things that are important to talk about with your doctor. Make sure your doctor knows your fertility history and knows those things so that they can look out for you. Along the lines of shame, fertility is one of those things where it's all about biology, right? It's just your biology and your biology isn't anything that you should be taking responsibility for. But yet there's so much cultural influence, religious influence. So it makes us feel shame about something that we should just let go of. And I try and help patients have that letting go mentality, but it's so hard. You know, it's like, if you got a heart attack right now, would you feel shame? Be like, you know, it's my fault. No, you would say, oh yeah, I was, you know, this is my genetics. It's my family history. And I try and make jokes about like, you can blame your mom for this PCOS, you know, it's not your fault. But at the end of the day, people will still have regret. You know, I spoke to a patient, she was crying and she felt shame because she was doing embryo transfers that weren't working and she thought it was her being selfish as she was crying from that shame. I feel so bad what I'm doing to my family. This is all my fault. 
And I was like, this is the opposite of being selfish, the opposite. There's nothing more selfless in this world than bringing a baby into this world, you know? So I deal with shame all the time and it's heartbreaking. And that's why I feel like patients need a fertility therapist, a coach from the very beginning of their journey, not once they're struggling with negative results or bad outcomes. Even the patients who get positive results, I think, need help because all of a sudden they have good news. They're not used to ever getting good news. And then they're, (laughs) you know, they have problems with anxiety around that. Oh, you have just touched on so many things. I was thinking about when it comes to shame, I was thinking about the language we use around fertility treatment. I've had a failed cycle. It's not your fault. You haven't failed. Maybe science has failed you. Maybe we just don't know enough yet, but you haven't failed. Your body is trying its absolute best. One of the things I love about your podcast is how you treat such a serious topic in such a professional but quite often lighthearted way. I do. I know that we've kind of only just touched the surface of of everything you can do. So if our listeners are hoping to get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to find you? The best place is my website, D-R-A-I-M-E-E.com, dramy.com. It's the, the easiest place to go and you can get to my podcast. I have IVF classes that I run one to two times per month. And I'm happy to help anyone who needs my help. And you don't necessarily have to come physically here for me to guide you. There's so many ways that I can guide you. And sometimes just taking my IVF class is a great place to start. Dr. Amy, oh, it has been such a pleasure chatting to you. I could chat to you forever. We really appreciate all the information you've shared with us. I know it will be just a massive help to our listeners. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Maria, for having me. And I want you on my podcast to talk about <laughs> training during your cycle. Please, would you come on? Oh, my goodness. I would love to. Yes. Cannot wait. Book me in. Thank you, Maria. Maria, how fantastic is Dr. Amy? What that woman doesn't know about eggs is not worth knowing. And not only that, it's generational. Her grandfather and her father. It's incredible. That intergenerational story, it really genuinely did make me feel emotional because obviously we do a lot of research for the podcast and we we prepare for the fantastic guests we've got coming on. But that really, really took me by surprise and it really made me feel really emotional. And you can see why she is so passionate and why, like she says, it is it's a genetic trait. You know, it's in her and it's an incredible, an incredible thing that that family have done for so many people. It's also a really interesting idea when you're saying about genetics, sometimes seeing the same person from the same lineage come through the door and this idea of, and I know we kind of hammer it, but this idea of talking mm-hmm. about infertility, talking to your sisters about it, talking to your mother about it. And when you have your kids, talk to your kids about it because it shortcuts the system. You have that not only intergenerational infertility problem, but you also have that intergenerational knowledge that you can send down the line and it saves you so much time. The other thing I thought she said was really interesting and and so absolutely true was around the idea of shame Mm -hmm. and that this is biology, guys. That's Mm -hmm. what this is. If you had a heart attack or if you had a stroke, this is my fault. It's not a character flaw. It's a biological flaw if it's anything, but it's not a character flaw. It is so important because like we're always saying, the clock is ticking. If you can speak to your relatives, it might just save you so much time. And that is so important when it comes to fertility. The other thing I thought that was fascinating was this idea that we are probably all going to continue being older mums in the future. And that's just 
because of society. You know, no one's reducing anyone's mortgage payment here. No one's expecting women to start having children in their 20s. I love this idea of being really proactive with your eggs and maybe the next generation, our daughters and their daughters, will start freezing their eggs as a matter of course in their 20s with the view that they're on ice and they're there. And it's through the miracle of IVF that we can achieve this. And it just so happens that we're coming up to a really special day next week. On Tuesday, we will be doing a special focus Absolutely. So next Tuesday, we will be doing a special focus on World IVF Day. This is obviously a massive day in the fertility calendar, and it's to celebrate the incredible things that IVF can achieve. And really importantly, to raise awareness about what IVF is, how it can help you build your own family. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week. And please rate, comment and really importantly share with your friends, especially our trying to conceive sisters. You never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help. This may come as a surprise, but we are not doctors. We strongly recommend that you consult with your doctor before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. Get everything checked out first. Your safety is our priority. This has been a Worth a Listen production.